0: March 31st, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. If you'd like to be there, you're welcome. We'll send out invitations and we'll lay hands on him and pray and we'll ordain him. And then the next morning, Sunday morning, April 1st, which doesn't will not carry its normal connotation, <laughs> we will install him, lay hands on him, install him as the lead pastor. Now, people have said, what does that look like for me? I'm not going anywhere, you know. Of course, if I get to be John the Baptist, you know how that ends up. I hope not. But we will do those things. Number four, many of the responsibilities of leading the congregation are beginning to shift to Pastor Rob. And, and this is it's time for him to shoulder these things. And so be praying for Pastor Rob. Be praying for us as we bring this moment to birth that uh, God will give him wisdom and cause him to rise to the point of leading us as a congregation. Uh, number five, we have a debt-free position in this congregation, in a debt-ridden society. We are in a debt-free position in a debt-ridden society. What does that mean? Well, we have a debt of about $3,700 on everything that we own as a congregation. We own from the highway back nearly five acres here. And uh, we can't develop it because we don't have anything to develop with, but we own it. All of all of it but $3,700. If God moves on your heart this morning. Just whip out your checkbook. Take care of that. We're, we happily receive those things, but we're really close. What that means is our children's futures are not indebted, and they're not at risk of having anything taken away from them because they can't afford it. And that has been a constant part of my leadership: is to make sure we're in a position that nobody can take away what God has provided for us. And so we've we've done other things. We've gone without. But we've always gone without debt as well. And I just want to remind you of that. And last and all, on that note, it's my task this morning to uh, announce you know, receiving the tithes and the offerings. But So we're going to receive the offering at this time between my presentation and Rob's. So if, if the guys would, and you have your offerings ready, just prepare them. I would like to say this, that tithe in the Bible is 10%, right? That's what tithe means. <clears throat> Excuse me. Means ten percent, and God required of His people to take the tithe. And there's an interesting picture in, in the study of tithing. Um, there's an idea of bringing what you what you have and heaping it up into a mound. And you could get a picture of like grain where they brought grain and mounded it up. And then God says, now after you've mounded up and after you've collected in and brought in the harvest that belongs to your responsibility. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to scoop and take off of the top, off of the top, 10% of that, and present it at the temple. That is your tithe. That is your 10%. God always said, I want the top. I don't want what's been crushed down at the floor. I don't want anything that's been mingled in the dirt. And I don't want your, your bad lamb. I want your best lamb. I don't want your worst cattle, I want your best cattle. God is like that. He deserves worship. He deserves honor. And he had made those requirements in the Old Testament of giving the 10% the best. The first fruits are often mentioned as well. And so, in tithing, it's a point of faith. When you realize that God has blessed you with something, and you say, by faith, I'm going to give back to the Lord a portion of what he's blessed me with. And I'm going to believe, especially in the New Testament context, that God actually owns everything of mine. I'm a steward of what I have on earth. I I don't own any of it. It's his. And therefore, if he says, well, then why don't you bring 10% back to me and use that as a first principle, then it's a point of faith. If I make a dollar, it's a dime. If I make a thousand, it's a hundred. If I make a million, well, get the checkbook out. That's a hundred thousand. And. Um, you know the funny little story probably of the guy that came to his pastor. He was giving and, and God was blessing him. His business was increasing. And he came to head, got an appointment with the pastor and said, you know, I just I need some help here. Uh, I'm, I've gone from making thousands to making millions and writing these tithe checks. is getting harder and harder because the amounts are huge. He says, so would you pray for me? And the pastor says, sure. He says, let's bow our heads. And he prayed, Father, I pray that you would reduce his income. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 to the point he's comfortable. <laughs> you know, he was just missing the point, wasn't it? It's just a percentage. And, and when we raise our children, I remember raising the kids, and we had little milk cartons, you know, the little tiny milk cartons, and we'd take three of them or build something of our own. And, and we'd say, this, this one takes your tithe, and then this, this one's your savings, 10% here, and this next one we're going to give to missions and that's another position of our congregation I'll report on that during the annual meeting that of everything that comes in here we always lift off 10% out of all our general funds and we make sure that we give it to missionaries And they're out on the wall there those that receive from us and there are others as well but we live as a congregation by faith as well and so we put that first and we've been, we've been true to that all these years to give faithfully to others and we try and make sure we don't hoard that up at all. We don't store it up and build a savings account out of it and use it for something else later. We get the 10% and we get it out of here. <coughs> we make sure it's spent. So we're always like working nip and tuck with the missions. So that those people have what they need to do their work in the field. And they count on us. And so we continue to be faithful there. And so we would teach the kids 10% tithe, 10% savings, and 10% missions. And whenever you get your savings built up for something you want to buy, well, you just get it. You can use the other 70 cents out of every dollar for whatever you decide is important. And we raised our kids that way. And I I would love to have that principle working in the congregation constantly. I think it's a good principle to learn how to live on 70% and not get into debt. Do we get into debt? Yes. Do we get into trouble? Yes. That's why we say, bring us back, Lord, from the focus of the world. Remind us what is success in the kingdom of God. Don't let us just run pell mell down the hill with everything that the world wants to tell us, thinking that we're being successful. Because in the end, what we want to hear is what? Well done, good and faithful servant. Pastor Rob coming, finished this off for us this morning.
1: the time, we will be. I will have us out at 11. We'll enjoy lunch together and go into the annual meeting. And, and uh, I, I'll take this opportunity to say that I know I'm not going to apologize, but I have for the last two years been under the assumption that services went to 11:15. So I always try to get us out at 11:15. Recently, I was told that we're supposed to be out at 11, but uh, but I always aim for 11:15. And I says, "You're always 15 minutes over." I says, "So." Rather than apologize, we're just going to say that service ends at 11.15. But today, we're going to get out at 11 o'clock and uh, get on with our things. Hallelujah. You know, as we move out of 2011 and are just at the beginning, the threshold, if you will, of 2012, I personally have been re-energized. And it's, it's been like a spark of revival beginning to just just blow, you know kind of begin to glow. You know, if you've take it, ever been out camping and you wake up in the morning, you might have a little bit of ember in the fire and you just start blowing on it and get it hotter and throw some wood in there and in a little while you'll get a fire again. And that's been happening inside of my spirit and I'm grateful for it. Uh, it's been some hard years, uh, for a lot of us and for, for different reason. And, and it's easy to get caught up in the, the negative or the, the downside and kind of uh, be under the weight. Can we have a moment of confession? Who has felt underweight, under oppression, just kind of, ah, uh. okay, there's a few of us in here. And uh, and it's 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 a spiritual thing. We can't be uh, unaware of the enemy. But uh, there's a spark, a reigniting again. And I want to make, clarify, I've been serving the Lord, I've been reading my Bible, I've been doing these things, but we do go through times that are tough and we've had to press through. And I'm thankful for those who've, Who've prayed this back into fruition and, and the spark is is lighting. It's a revival coming. More and more I'm able to see what God wants to show me. See, God wants to show us lots. But now I'm I'm more and more I'm beginning to be able to see it as I purposefully get my eyes off my circumstances and onto the one who sits above the circle of the world. I've got to get my eyes off of the circumstances and onto him. Who sits over all my circumstances? He's, the Bible says he sits on the circle of the earth. And that's where my eyes have to be, but it's a purposeful thing that I'm doing. I have to choose to every day. And I fail some days, some hours I fail. But I'm working, purposing myself to say, God, I'm going to look at you and not on my circumstances, not on the negative or, or the things that would discourage me. As I listen to the author of life rather than the father of lies, I get encouraged. As I line up my life with the God-breathed, inerrant, holy book of promise instead of man-breathed, aired, Hollywood script of death, I get a fresh vision. I have to choose to look at those things and to look to God and look to the Word of God. And a refreshing vision, passion, revival begins to burn back inside of me. I get a fresh vision. God has so much in store for His people. Do you know that God is so much in store for His people? Have you read it? It's in here. He's got so much more than we walk in on a daily basis. I've read it. Cover to cover. It's easy to get lost, but He has a plan. He has a purpose. And He wants us to walk in it. Personally and corporately. He is the Redeemer. He's the Creator. He is good and faithful. He's the One who formed you in your mother's womb. He's the one who called you out of darkness, out of the miry clay, and He put your feet on the solid rock. He has a plan. He has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for me. You who once were in darkness, He calls a light to the world. He says to you who have been faithful, you'll be given more. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, they are unsearchable. Bible says that He gives you, He gives me the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And He decided to put all these things inside of us, jars of clay. Inside of each and every one of us He's put purpose and vision and gifts. And we don't deserve any of it, but by His sovereignty, by His grace, He's put it in there and He has a plan and He has a purpose. And I'm beginning to get my eyes put back on Him and to see things through His vision. I want God vision, not my own. He's given you, He's given me a ministry, a ministry of reconciliation. He's called us, He's appointed us, and He's anointed us to carry it out. He doesn't ask us to do something and then leave and watch us squirm, though sometimes we feel like that's the case. He's with us. He wants to be inside of us. He wants to lead us and He wants to baptize us in His Holy Spirit. As we lift our eyes unto Him, His promises, His word, He catapults us into a life of faith, into a life of hope, into a life of vision. For just the next 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes, I want to share just a little vision and some goals for the coming year things that were going on. We decided to, that it would be a good time for everyone to hear this, really the pastor's report of what's been happening last year, what's happening this year, as we're heading into our, our annual meeting. Because some of you, you don't have to stay for the annual meeting. Uh, we've never had a fist fight. Just that once. No, but, you know, we love each other, but they still can, can tend to be a little boring. But we want to he- I wanted the whole congregation to hear... You know, what's been going on and and, uh, the reports and things happening in the congregation here at Big Bear Christian Center. Who are we? This congregation was started in 1964. That's a few years ago. I was thinking about that. We're coming up on 50 years as a congregation. There's been three senior pastors in this 48 years. How many churches say that? You know, the average uh, lifespan of a pastor is about five to seven years. We've had three pastors in this 48 years. We're solid. This congregation started in a house. You know, it seems to me that the church was birthed in a house. There's been prophetic words that this church would be called the lighthouse on the mountain. You've seen some of the lighthouses and out on the on the signs out there. It's a lighthouse on the mountain. This 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 body was was birthed. In order to give light like a lighthouse, and I believe over the years that's come to more and more uh, fruition. Even in my understanding, you know, we were talking about we changed the name of our our cell groups, which we'll get into that in a moment. Of really that we're a cell based church, but we used to call the cell groups here lighthouses. And uh, you know, what do lighthouses do? They warn. Of, they're, they're like the warning of danger. You know, come to this house because we're about danger. You know. But, but I'm beginning to realize, and, and, and God hasn't, I don't know if this was a God-birth thing, but this, as a congregation, is a lighthouse. Well, what do lighthouses do? They shine the way and warn of danger, and they also point to life. You know, if you're out in the sea and you see a lighthouse, you know two things. One, hallelujah, there's land in case you lost it. Also, be careful, there's some rocks and things around. But there, if you're out lost and you see the lighthouse, it points to a, to safety. It can point to safety. Here we are, there's safety, but be careful. And this congregation needs to do that. But what do they point to? They point to life. Life groups. Life is happening in our life groups throughout Big Bear Valley. It's where people are gathering together. Small groups of people praying for one another. Reaching out to their friends together. Having fellowship, having dinner. We've had some good dinners in our life group. We had our Mexican Christmas potluck thing. And boy, man, there was enough food for all of us. I mean, all of us.
0: <laughs>
1: by the early 1990s, and, and this history, uh, an in-depth history or a semi-in-depth history is available on the website, which is also going to be changing very soon. You've noticed some things changing and just some updating, but, but the, it's on the website. You can read about the history. But by the early, I believe it was the 90s. It might have been all the way back in the 80s. God was stirring up, Pastor Jeff, stirring up uh, people about re, about challenging the traditional way of church. The traditional way of church. Come to a building, we have all of our programs, we do these things, and there was something stirring in Pastor Jeff's heart, probably even earlier, but I remember the first groups that we would start, prayer groups, and and uh, I think we had watchmen, watchmen groups, and where, where it was just trying to birth, but God was trying to help us understand that this is not life. Coming to church once a week is only a very small process. Part of what God is wanting us to do, He's wanting us to live together in unity, in community. Mm-hmm. He's wanting us to live together and, and go out in groups and in evangelism. He wants us to share. You know, when Jesus came and and the, the birth of the church happened, and they, I've been really being coming aware of this and realizing that there was a huge impetus to say, listen, you need to walk away from all the connections you have because there's a... Con- not, not to deny them, but to say you need to fellowship with other believers because there's strength in that. And there was a real part of, of becoming the family of God. Even exchanging your family for the family of God, that doesn't mean you neglect them, but you understand that the family of God is, is by the blood of Christ. And so there was a stirring back in the early 90s and, and it's come to fruition we've become a cell-based church. And what does that mean? It means that we don't have a lot of programs here, but we believe the ministry should be happening by the people. And let me give you a scripture this morning. And I want to read the whole thing. We, you know this first verse for sure, by memory, many of you do. But I want to read Ephesians four eleven all the way through 16. Now, if we can erase from our mind for just a moment, you know, how we know church to be how we know church to be, and say, what if we were to build a church just from the Bible and using this Scripture as one of them? And He, God Himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Right there, many, many, many churches are not doing what they're called to do. The pastors and the leaders and the elders are doing all the work of ministry. But that was never the purpose. The pastors, the prophets, the teachers are called for the equipping of the saints. Now, we're not Catholic. You may have started out Catholic, but we're not Catholic in this room. The saints are not just a few people that the Pope and the the council decides that they get to be saints. The Bible says that we are His children. We all are the saints of God. You know, it's, I, when, I, when I'm witnessing, when I lived in Guatemala, uh, often we would be witnessing to, to Catholics, because primary Catholic. And boy, they would freak out when I said, Do you know the Bible calls you a saint? And they just couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. Because saints are special. No, we're the saints. We're the saints, equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all. Come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. I'm going to stop there for a second. You know you read those scriptures and say yeah that 's really good for some of those people. No, it says until we all come to the unity of faith we 're all supposed to be growing up in this together, growing up so that none of us will be dragged away and tricked and cunned into other things, but sometimes too often what happens is those who are rising up to leadership they kind of run off here and they do their thing, and everyone else is floundering no we 're trying to develop life groups so everybody gets built up so that we 're all in the unity of the faith so that none nobody escapes out the back door, that there's no excuses that people aren't being discipled and built up because we're doing it in a family environment in small group settings. I'm excited. (laughs) Verse 15, speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him who is the head. It's always about Jesus, Christ, from whom the whole body joined in it together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part, that's you, that's me, every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. That's us. We're part of the body of Christ and God has has appointed some pastors and apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists to equip the saints. And we need all of those offices. Those are are what's called the offices so that the saints can be equipped to do the work of the ministry. How many close friendships do you have? How How many people can you really interact with and have an impact in their life? Just a handful. Yet somehow the pastor is expected to pastor and shepherd and disciple 80, 100 people. It's absurd. But I'm looking at leaders. I'm looking at saints of God who will all grow up together and be discipled and be able to share and impart and disciple one another. That's the, the heart of small group ministry, of cell ministry. We've organized, and, and uh, it really it has been happening for a long time. As a body, we've always put major emphasis. Even long before we were trying to organize into cell groups and when we were flailing, it was like that God was, was leading Pastor Jeff, and it, it was just hard to, to get it. it. You know, to nail it down and try and praise God that we understand what's going on. It was burning in his heart a decade before most people. In the United States around the world understood that, that, that coming together and birthing into small group is the way to go. We have a definition. I'm going to put that up on the wall. We wrote this. We spent a lot of time and we've, we've talked about it before. This describes Big Bear Christian Center. I realize the thing is off. It's probably in my pocket. No, it's not. We just need to unmute that. I'll read it and it'll be, show it behind me. At the core... Of Big Bear Christian Center are life, life groups of 3 to 15 people that meet weekly throughout Big Bear Valley, empowered by the Holy Spirit through prayer. Their purpose is to make disciples through spiritual growth, community, and evangelism, resulting in group multiplication. And that's a, that's a hefty saying. You're going to hear a lot more of it. We're going to have banners with it. It's on the wall. You're going to begin to see it more and more because at the core of Big Bear Christians and are the life groups. This is how we do ministry. This is, this, is, this is what we do. We, as individuals, are involved daily in ministry. Daily. Everybody in this room may have their own personal ministry that God has put a heart for them to do. And that's great. As a body, at the core of this body, are life groups. And through those life groups, we're going to be able to do the ministry. And we've been doing that successfully. At the core of Big Bear Christian Center are life groups of three to fifteen people that meet weekly, not monthly, not occasionally. We get together all the time. I desire that with more and more we get together for dinners outside of those weekly meetings. That we meet weekly throughout Big Bear Valley. They're not here, they're throughout they're they're invading the darkness. Now, if you come to mind, it's not a very dark neighborhood. On the same night I have my group, our neighbors are having a life group. They don't go to this church, they go to another one. We're surrounded in my house. I I think I have to move to move into a sinner's neighborhood because I've got (laughs) Christians surrounding me. I mean, it's just. But but we're we're supposed to be out in, in the public, in the darkness, you know, invading the darkness. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. We can't do this on our own. This is a church is a full gospel church. You can call it Pentecostal or Charismatic. All those ch- names have changed over the time. But let me briefly just say what that is. We believe that the Holy Spirit is a second expression of what God wanted to do. We're saved first, but then we become filled with the Holy Spirit as we ask and seek God. And He pours out His Holy Spirit. And you can read this in the book of Acts. And that when He pours out and baptizes His people with the Holy Spirit, there's power and authority that comes for miracles and I can't go because i I'm, I'm, I got nine minutes. <laughs> i got nine minutes. But we, we believe in the Holy Spirit, powered by the Holy Spirit, to do awesome, mighty works. Nowhere in the Scriptures did it say that the works of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, prophesying, was supposed to end at the end of the Apostles' age. That's a man-made doctrine. Go and find it. If you can find it, let, show it to me and I'll, and I'll, I'll be converted. It was, it was for the, you and all who are far off who 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 believe it is so we are we are empowered by the holy spirit through prayer nothing's going to happen on our own strength we need to pray but our purpose look at this our purpose is to make disciples jesus says go and make disciples we're not to make converts Great, there's a lot of churches out there, and, they, and maybe God's just calling them to make converts, but we need to make converts and then make disciples out of the converts. It's a full process. And if we go back to, to Ephesians, which we just read, it's to, that we'd all grow into the fullness so that all of us are equipped. All of us will not be dragged away into the trickery and cunningness of man. We live in community. That's something that's really hard for us in this nation. We're going to hear about that more, more in a few weeks. But, but not just you know, knowing each other and saying hi, but really living in, in, in fellowship and community outside of this place and evangelism. The lost are lost and they need Jesus. What I started with all these things that God is for us, those who don't know Jesus don't have it. The Bible says that unless a man be born again, he will not enter the kingdom of God. We need to be about the Father's business and evangelism. And when we do those things, it will result in more groups. Because people are getting saved and discipled and I can't fit 50 people into my house. And so we're going to make another group. We're just going to take... I'm working with Corey. He's going to be the next leader out of my group who starts his own group. And we're going to plant him somewhere and and we've got a few other leaders ready to start some more groups because we're going to multiply and we're going to keep doing this. Right now we have over 80 members in life groups. 80 people attending our life groups throughout the valley. That's pretty exciting. That's pretty exciting. We're going to see growth in that. Because God is stirring it up and we're going to be busy about the Father's business. I got to choose the things I want to say now. So I still got 2 pages. I believe God God gave, we talked about vision a few weeks ago. I believe God has given us not j- just a vision, but also a goal. There's a vision to reach into this valley. And I've got, I've got so much vision, it's beyond me. It's, it's, but God wants to do so much. But we have a goal this year. And if, you've, if you know anything about any people and the way we work, if we don't have a goal, we're just going to do what we do and we'll never reach it. Mm-hmm. So put up the next slide if you can. This is what I believe we, we will do this year. 12 groups with 12 people in each in 2012. We're going to have banners put up so that we'll be reminded of this. Right now, we have 10 life groups with 80 people in the groups, which would be an average of 8 person in each group. By the end of 2012, I believe that we can together reach out as, as, as our life groups and reach out to the lost and bring families and individuals in and, and invite those. Right now, I know there's a number of people, not just in the congregation here, but, but I know a lot of Christians who are unchurched. They've left. We need to reach out and, and, and reach out to them as well as the lost. But by the end of this year, by, by really December, for sure by December, we're going to have 12 groups, just two more groups, with an average of 12 people in each group. And, and we have uh, you know a lot of our life group leaders are here this morning. Um, and uh, uh, my mom, Bev, has, has got one of the life groups. How, ma- how many are in, enrolled in your group? You have six. Do they always all show up? (laughs) You know, they don't. And so we're going to pack these groups. We're going to try to get 10, 12, 14 people who come occasionally so that we're always with six, eight, nine people gathering together. We're going to have 12 groups with 12 people in each on average by the end of 2012. You know what that means? We're going to be growing. We're going to have people being saved. We're going to be needing more kids ministry. Happened on Sunday morning. You know what's happened this morning? Our kids ministers, one of their kids is throwing up. So Ed went next door, who happens to be Ed's wife. Ed's, Ed's child is, is, uh, was, is home, so mom's home. She was supposed to be next door, so we threw him into the kids' zone. There is nobody in nursery this morning. There's nobody. In, I didn't find that out until I saw my son walking around. Um, Laughter you know, we're, we're going to need people to, to, to get together and, and, and work because we're going to start growing. And we're going to together reach the lost. I drive into the, valley, into the village and into the valley, I go, there is way too many people that are unsaved, that don't know the hope. And we are living in, in perilous times, in crazy times, and we cannot afford to sit back and just watch the world go to hell in a handbasket any longer. Mm-hmm. Literally going to hell. But together we need to reach out and, and, and bring those that are lost and help them to mature, to mature. How many, how many people do you know who came and came to the Lord, got saved, but then slipped out the back door and never was discipled? I don't want to do that anymore. We need to together, gather together and stop letting that happen. I forgot my books upstairs, but we have a training track to help us do that. We have a five, a five book series. There's a lot of things out there. We right now are using, this is one of them. Thank you, Anthony. I've, I've got, this is one of them and they're all like this. They're very small and simple. Five, five different books that help us to grow uh, into strong, mature Christians, but not apart from somebody doing it with you. You know, you can't read a book and really become a disciple. But we use this to help the conversations. Corey and I have been meeting in, in, in discipleship and friendship. I mean, it started out real discipleship. We barely knew each other. Don't know if he liked me. Didn't know if I liked him. But we started getting together. <laughs> And, and we started just talking and praying and we went through this and we've gone through four of the books. It's taken us ten months probably, maybe a year, to go through four of the books because we live in relationship. We get together and we pray together and we, we confess our sins and, and we work. But uh, we have a, a training track available that if you, you want to take somebody and help them to walk through the steps of discipleship, we'll help you do that. Because we need to go somewhere. We need to be looking beyond ourselves. We can't just be comfortable. And I love, I love small. I mean, I really do. You know, you're you're comfortable in smaller settings. But if we remain small, that means people are not being saved. You know, and that's another great thing about small groups. They're always small. That's why they're called small groups. They're always small. And so you get that intimacy when you gather together with the guys. We have men's cells, we have women's cells, we have family cells, we have a kid cell here that, that, uh, that meets on Wednesday nights that, that is, is reaching out to kids, but it's also great for the family cells who don't, you know, who having the kids in there doesn't work real well. So I encourage you, if you haven't got into a life group, to, to shop around. You know, we've got them all on the walls. We've got descriptions of them. You can talk to the leaders that are, that are here this morning. And, uh, and we have other leaders. We're ready to start a few more. But those aren't just to be getting together and bless me, Cubs. We have a work to do. Jesus is going to all the world. All the world. Preaching the Gospel. Making disciples. I believe as we hit this, I, I did the math and I went, wow, you know, 12, 12, 12, and 12... Is, is pretty exciting. There's another 12 in there and that's the 12 people by the end of the year will be going through this. There'll be 12 people at least going through this training track and becoming disciples. I think it's going to be a lot higher because if we only have 80 in life groups right now, that means by the end of the year we need to add 64 on average. But as we get, you know, it, God's going to be the one who adds the increase as we become faithful in Him. I'm really excited about these things. That's one of the things we're going on. Um, quickly, we're going to hear a little bit, we may hear more. Um, you know, the children's ministry is, is going to continue to, to, to move on. And, and as we minister to the children, we don't believe that this is a daycare next door. You, we, 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 that's never our desire. We just got through with a series on the Holy Spirit. I don't believe there's a junior Holy Spirit, but the, the teachers who are, are working with the kids, they're praying for them, praying that they'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit, that they, they are disciples themselves. They're just younger than us. And so we're desiring to pour into the, the children, into the, uh, into the babies even. And we, we're just, ex- I'm excited. And that's where the things, we're going to continue to move on. And as, as God opens up doors, we'll see what He has us to be involved with. Uh, boy, if you want to see this begin to come to pass, and if you want to see it come to pass quicker, come and join us on Saturday nights for prayer. Because empowered through the Holy Spirit, through prayer, It's the only way we can do it. And we need to begin to really pray. And we need to begin to kick down the gates of hell. The Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail. You know, I don't know about you, but I used to have this picture of like the gates coming against us. I've never seen gates that ran after anybody. See, hell is standing there and we need to kick down the gates of hell and take back from the enemy the things that he's stolen. Your brother, your sister, your neighbor... We need to kick down the gates of hell and they will not prevail against the church. And we are the church. I'm excited. I, I, uh, uh, let's stand. I could feel myself starting to yell and I don't want to yell this morning. And <laughs> Got to be calm in case you've never seen a yelling pastor. We need to commit together to be the people of God and to take it up a notch and to take the Gospel into the highways and the byways and to begin to make disciples. Lord Jesus, I thank You so much for the church body that You've placed me in. God, I'm humbled that I will be the fourth senior pastor God at this congregation. I take it very serious and I thank You for the trust that this great group of people is, is giving me. And I pray and I thank You for the opportunity that we have to expand the kingdom. In Jesus' name. God, I I thank You for the opportunity and the commission, and I ask for help in reaching it, God, that You would help us to reach the lost and disciple the saved. God, I pray that in all of us You would help to birth into us the need, the desire, to take everyone we come in contact one step closer to Christ. That everywhere we would go, we would think, boy, I'm coming in contact with this person. Can I bring them one step closer to Christ than they are? If they're unsaved, let me be a seed planted in their life that would give them a desire to get to know You. If they're already saved, let me be an influence that they would begin to be discipled. If they're already being discipled, help me to be one to point them in the right direction to uh, to, to just be able to be used in ministry more and more and more. God, help us all to be able to take those we come in contact with one step closer to You. I thank You for what we have to look forward to this year. God, even if trials and tribulations come, Lord, we're the people of God and You will never leave us nor forsake us. And we've set our affections, we set our heart and we set our mind and our eyes upon You. God, right now we repent. God, I, I, we repent this morning of allowing circumstances and the trials and the things of life to weigh us down so much, God, but we cast those off in the name of Jesus. And we set our heart and our mind upon You and says, God, give us Your vision. God, give us Your strength God, help us to, to run and not grow weary, God. We, we As a congregation, say we will not look at our circumstances, but we'll look to You to be the strength. God, I thank You so much. Bless, bless each and every one this morning who've come. Challenge each of us, Lord, to, to examine our lives and to draw closer to You. Father, we just love You. God, we need You. God, as we're gathered even together, I thank You for the food that we're going to join together before our annual meeting. I pray that You would bless each one who prepared it. God, thank You for the servants' hearts. God, I thank You. As Pastor Jeff pointed out, God, we're here because of the faithfulness of people. God, the faithfulness of Your saints. And I thank You so much for all the things that happen around here and happen outside of this place because people are being faithful to You and to their brothers and sisters. Bless the food. God, be with us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Sorry. She's probably yeah. Yeah, we surely self-organized today, Shirley Hastings. So if she starts giving you orders,
1: follow them.